0: You are locked on Packers. He did what? Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Cousins is taken down. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
1: Aaron Jones. Your has team. Open every day. With a dagger of a run. You are locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast. Network your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast: iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet, and the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today on the show, our crossover. Thursday. This is our new crossover edition, and our crossover Thursday is brought to you by NFL Game Pass. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. See all the action from every game with full replays. You can also replay an entire game and catch all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. Go to nfl.com slash game pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. We are going to spend a lot of time with luke braun of locked on vikings talking about the daniel hunter injury and he was placed on ir yesterday it was huge news in the nfc huge news for week one with the green bay packers and so i don't want to spend a ton of time talking about that to start the show because we're gonna have plenty of time to get to it with luke i want to start first with the packers because wednesday the first Packer, injury report of the season came out. On that Wednesday injury report, the Green Bay Packers did not have Billy Turner, but Rick Wagner was not listed at all, setting up what is likely to be Wagner's opening day start at right tackle. This is actually not that weird, because when the Packers signed Rick Wagner, we assumed he was going to be the opening day starter at right tackle. It was actually a little bit of a curveball when it turned out that Billy Turner was in competition for that right tackle job with Turner's knee injury. And it doesn't look like he's going to be ready to go for week one. That leaves Wagner. The good news for the Packers is that Lane Taylor has been awesome in camp by all accounts, is an experienced guard, and has played the Vikings. So this is about as good an option as the Packers could have. Lane Taylor is going to play right guard. Rick Wagner is going to play right tackle. And when you have now this injury to Hunter, and you don't have to see Daniel Hunter for 50 dropbacks or, you know, 80 plays, that fundamentally changes what you're able to do as an offense because you can have Rick Wagner in one-on-one. You can have David Bakhtiari, any snaps that Ngakwe is going to be on the left side, you feel fine leaving him there. That was already true. But now it's a little bit easier because the the Vikings are going to have to play some with Ngakwe on the right side against Wagner, you feel better about that matchup because you have an experienced right tackle like Wagner, someone who is now, we think, at least close to 100% healthy. Well, if you don't feel like you have to chip and you don't have to help as much because you don't have two of these guys then that changes what you're able to do offensively. And so you still don't love Ngakwe against Wagner. Ngakwe against most offensive tackles is advantage defense. But the fact that the Packers have a swing tackle, someone that they feel decent about, that gives them at least a chance to block him one-on-one. And then if you have Ohani Adenabo on the other side, Against David Bakhtiari, it's, it's like when the Packers in 2014 played Richard Sherman and the and the Seattle Seahawks, that legion of boom, and it was just like they never lined Jordy Nelson up against Richard Sherman. They it was always Devontae Adams, and he was just sort of the sacrificial lamb. That's what Odenabo is for the Vikings on Sunday. He's going to go up against David Bakhtiari most of the time, and they just don't expect it to work. They just don't expect to get pressure from him, and that's going to be fine if you're the Packers. Obviously, you want that matchup. Now, two other injuries that are important here. Montrevius Adams back at practice with that toe. We thought that was going to be a much longer-term injury. He could play week one, and he played week two last year against the Vikings. Um, he is a useful interior defensive player, and they're going to need useful interior defenders against a team like the Vikings who are going to want to pound the rock. So for the Packers, getting Adams back for this game, even if he's not a world beater, Even if he's just an okay player, even if he's just rotation-quality defensive lineman, that's enough to be useful in this game. And then Raven Green. Raven Green back at practice. I made the case yesterday that Raven Green was the more important piece relative to Billy Turner precisely for the reasons we just discussed. The Packers had Rick Wagner. To go in there. Well, Raven Green didn't have a backup you feel great about because the skill set for Will Redmond is so different. You probably have to play Adrian Amos in that box hybrid role, and you don't really want to do that. And the linebacker that you would have played there, Kamal Martin, is hurt. Oren Burks dealing with an injury. Ty Summers, not someone you want playing meaningful snaps right now, at least in a game. and, And Curtis Bolton is on PUP. Green, if he can play, suddenly gives you a lot more flexibility to cover the tight ends, Minnesota's going to play a lot of 12 personnel with two tight ends. You need someone who can run and cover Irv Smith Jr., who runs 4-5. You need someone who can run and cover and is big enough to handle someone like Kyle Rudolph and who can run with these backs out of the backfield, can flow to the ball as an alley defender. You have to have that. And if the Packers didn't have Raven Green, they'd be perilously thin in terms of box defenders, because I think Christian Kirksey is going to be an upgrade if he can stay healthy. They don't have much after that, and Martin was supposed to be that guy. Green was going to be that guy. He's hurt, so those guys have to stay healthy. Green has to stay healthy and be on the field for the Packers to play the way that they want to, especially a week like this where you want to play a little bit bigger. You don't have your your priority linebacker. Maybe they're fine with Oren Burks, but Oren Burks is hurt, too. So it looks like Oren Burks is trending in the right direction, Raven Green trending in the right direction, and, and it's not strange to believe that the Packers would be uber cautious given the offseason conditions here. So it's possible that, that all these guys who are limited this week are just going to end up being fine and playing, but you just never know. You just never know. And so getting these guys back on the field helps the matchups for Green Bay. Obviously, the Hunter injury is a huge loss for the Vikings, and it it makes the advantage that Green Bay had by having two capable starters at right tackle, at least we think, that makes that advantage even more amplified and speaking of advantage, get an advantage over all of your friends this season with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all the plays in just 45 minutes with a condensed game. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle all in one place, and NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, and Devontae Adams along with many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. Go to nfl.com gamepass game pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. It is our first crossover of 2020. Week 1, Packers-Vikings. Locked on Packers host Peter Bukowski with Locked on Vikings host Luke Braun. And we're going to start with an offense-defense matchup and then move on to the other side of the ball, respectively. And Luke, there really is only one place we can start this conversation. Just as we started recording uh, a little bit before that, we found out that Daniel Hunter is going on IR. So... Oh, you don't want to start offense?
0: with uh, Alan Lazard versus Holton Hill?
1: <laughs> I mean, that'll that'll be fun for like the hardcore old school big 12 heads.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Daniil Hunter goes on IR. He has, it, it sounds like a neck injury. That's not officially reported, but ESPN Courtney Cronin reported it. So that's pretty rock solid. Um, that's pretty scary. Neck injuries are definitely no joke. Um, so he'll miss the first three games, at least if I were a betting man, I would say it's worse than that even. Um, but right now, yeah, you're not going to have any Daniel Hunter to deal with for the first time since he was on the Vikings. He was going to miss, he's going to miss a Packers game,
1: which is particularly brutal because they just made this big deal for Yannick Ngakwe specifically to have this dynamic one two punch. You lose that. And and now, you know, it's more like it would have looked like if we had this conversation a couple weeks ago, one premier pass rusher on one side and some question marks on the other side. So let's go back in time and tell me about the guys that are going to have to replace Daniel Hunter in this matchup, because there are some players that the Vikings like there.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, honestly I wonder if, you know, I mean, Daniel Hunter was already had already sustained the injury when they made the trade for Ngakwe. So I wonder if that had something to do with it. Um but the other guy is uh Ifadio Denimbo. He was a 7th round pick a bunch of years ago. Um, he is now he's in like the last year of that rookie contract and he is more promising than you would expect for a guy that was like a rotational backup for most of his career. He's somebody who I've kind of been touting as like, he can be a starter. He's my sleeper for the year. Of course they trade for Ngakwe and he's not going to get as much opportunity anymore. But if Daniil Hunter's out, suddenly the opportunity is back. He's like a power rusher. Um, he's not, he's kind of very different from Ngakwe because you know he wins with like a bull rush with strength there's a lot of power he has plenty of pass rush moves and stuff but it's definitely more of a power thing and blow you back and get you you know win the leverage and and kind of collapse the pocket versus Ngakwe who's focusing more on penetration it's a different style thing and so now the challenge is not having somebody like Daniel Hunter who's good at both you're going to have to kind of figure out which tackle you want to attack with, you know, which style of rusher. But if Fadio Denebo, I maintain that he is a starting quality edge rusher. So it's not like they're just like throwing some guy off the street out there. This guy was definitely ready to start and the Ngakwe trade put a damper on it. But I, I think that, I, again, I wonder if they made it because they knew they weren't going to have Daniel Hunter for a while. And of course, long term, it's amazing to have uh, both Ngakwe and Hunter once Hunter comes back. But I guess what is going to be the matchup here? We we of course have Bakhtiari. Um, I think that might be uh, Odenebo versus Bakhtiari. He r- liked to rush more from the right, I think, in camp. Um, but Ngakwe rushed from the right plenty in camp as well. Um, but I know he rushed from the left, from the defense's left, more in Jacksonville. And and who is he gonna go against? No, Billy Turner's hurt, and the Packers have been like super tight lipped about this. So what's gonna be the the plan there at right tackle?
1: Matt LaFleur has not ruled anything out, and, and that's sort of where we are. I mean, you, you look back a couple of years ago, different uh coaching staff, of course, but the Packers played the Bears on a Thursday without any offensive tackles in the game. They they played like three guards, a center and a backup guard center and and beat the Bears. And so uh, the Packers have a, a, a history, at least a recent one, of, of being able to have this kind of versatility because someone like Elton Jenkins, I mean Matt LaFleur legitimately said Elton Jenkins could play right tackle. He was a really good left guard for the Packers last year. Lane Taylor in that Bears game played tackle and, and did so admirably. So they have some options there because they really like Lucas Patrick on the inside, just gave him a contract extension to be their, their swing interior offensive lineman, can play center or guard. And so the fact that you can slide Lane Taylor and Elton Jenkins out to that tackle position gives Green Bay options. That being said, when camp opened, Rick Wagner and Billy Turner were competing for that right tackle spot. The preferred starter, I think, was Turner. So technically, this is going to be a backup right tackle, but the Packers did sign Wagner with the idea that he was going to compete to start. So you're still probably going to see Ngakwe over there a lot more than you would have if Hunter played, I assume, right? But it, you, you still have someone who, at least in the past, last year he's been hurt and has been hurt in camp. If he is something close to healthy, not on the injury report this week, uh, then I think you, again, have a starting caliber player much in the, in the vein of, of someone like Odenabo.
0: Yeah, so I, I think this whole thing and like who gets the advantage off of all of these in- injuries is going to com- come down to who had the better depth. And that is, I think, a much more fun question to think about. Um, than just kind of, like, decrying doom and gloom whenever somebody goes down. But the other weird thing on this side of the ball is, of course, the cornerbacks. And, you know, everybody who's yeah. ever asked me about the Vikings from, like, Locked On NFL to the crossovers and stuff has always been like, okay, what's happening to all those cornerbacks? You lost all the cornerbacks. And the thing is, they all had really nice camps, but nobody stood out as, like, the best one. They all just had good camps. So if you were to ask anybody in the Vikings organization, they're actually super hyped on, like, Holton Hill and the Rookies and Mike Hughes. Um, but the... Initial challenge here is a daunting one, and that's slowing down Devontae Adams. I think the Vikings are going to play sides. I don't think they're going to have anybody shadow like they used to with, like, Xavier Rhodes because there isn't one that's, like, head, head and shoulders better than all of the rest. Um, so I, what is going to happen there is Green Bay is going to be able to dictate the matchup. They're going to get to choose where Devontae goes and plays. So if you're Matt LaFleur and you have your choice of matching up uh, Devontae Adams you know on on the left side where he'd probably go up against Holton Hill on the right side where he'd go up against I think that'll be Mike Hughes or in the slot against Jeff Gladney in his first NFL start uh, yeah what what would you do
1: yeah I think I mean that's a obviously rhetorical question it it, it comes down to how much the Packers want to play Devonte in the slot what is their appetite for doing that and last year he played you know, around 20% of his snaps in the slot. It's something that I think they're going to continue to, to exercise uh, in, in terms of that that leverage that they can create. A two-way go against any cornerback is tough. And then when when the receiver in question is Devontae Adams, that gives you even more options. It also creates potential size matchups. Jeff Gladney is that, like, 5'10 half 5'11 kind of cornerback. And the Packers have Equinemia St. Brown, who's 6'5", Alan Lazard, who's 6'4", 6'5". So that also could give them uh, some matchup options there. Uh, I'm wondering, from your standpoint, I mean, this is dovetailing into our, our conversation with Hunter. If the Vikings can't rush the passer, I mean, Mike Zimmer has been a magician with these corners. They, they didn't play great last year. And because the Vikings have a great pass rush, really good linebackers and probably the best safety duo in the league, it didn't matter. They still had a really good pass defense can that be the case with this inexperienced group of cornerbacks if the pass rush is not on the same level
0: i mean that's been the the, the question all camp because we were losing you know we've been talking or all all offseason we've been talking about losing everson griffin um, right. Now it's, you know, kind of the same thing where you went from, all right, can Hunter and Odenabo do it to, all right, can Ngakwe and Odenabo do it? Um, so I, I guess, yeah, if there's no pass rush, yeah, that's going to make it tougher on the the young corners, obviously. But I think the, the Mike Zimmer's always been able to find a way to get some pressure. Um, the, very few times has his defensive line's just been like shut out, even in times when the personnel isn't there, or guys are hurt. Um, you know, he's always been able to manufacture interesting blitz packages, find ways to get Anthony Barr around. He's been able to find ways specifically against the Packers to kind of counter a lot of the like wider arm techniques that the the Packers offensive line use with like speed to power and bull rushes and stuff. He's been able to do that. So I think he will be able to find a way to get pressure. It's just going to cost more when you can't just have a guy like Daniel Hunter generating it for one-on-one, you know, they're going to have to do weird pressure packages. They're going to have to align the linebackers in weird spots. And that's going to be a costly thing that you can probably take advantage of. Um, But I think they'll be able to get pressure. And the other thing here is this is the Dom capers revenge game. Uh, He's not calling any (laughs) plays or anything, but we'll you'll probably see a familiar blitz or two um you know he's a guy in the room and he's helping design some of the blitzes some of the things from like four three under packages which looks a lot like the three four that he ran in green bay um and he'll be able to kind of do some of those blitzes so i I think the i mean of course it would be easier with daniel hunter but i think the pressure amount is going to be fine it's just a matter of what the vikings have to pay to continue to get that pressure and then that's where aaron Rodgers is going to have the opportunity to take advantage of it if he can kind of dial it up and figure it out
1: what, what makes this matchup particularly interesting given the the personnel and, and all of the things that we just talked about is the Packers seem to want to play bigger this year and, and get big to throw and get small to run and yet against the Vikings this year especially now with this Hunter injury that may not be the best way to attack them because if you're going to have the linebackers and the safeties cover guys that's kind of if you're the Vikings that you, you sort of want teams to, to dare them to do that because that's how the Vikings can win. Eric Hendricks is one of the best linebackers in the league, full stop. Anthony Barr can can cover well, well enough. I mean, the image of Cooper Cup torching him in, in uh, L.A. on a, a Thursday night is, is burned into a lot of people's minds, but he can move. And then, obviously, Harrison Smith can do whatever you need him to do I don't think Green Bay is going to be able to make hay doing that the same way they will against other teams. They're sort of the the reverse of a team like the the Eagles offense where they can always play big if they want to. The Vikings can do that.
0: Yeah. And they did a lot of like inviting that kind of thing in 2019 and they into decent results. They did that with Philadelphia. They did that with Detroit where they basically played um, like a bunch of kind of too high and dared people to, to just throw deep against it. And those deep throws were lower percentage things and they actually got it. Um, And they, so, so I think, you know, what they actually want you to do is interesting. I, I don't know. I mean, in the Monday night game last year, of course, you know, Aaron Jones ran rampant. In the yeah. playoff game against San Francisco, they had it absolutely, you know, I mean, I mean the, the physical ground and pound game absolutely torched them. So I don't think it's that unviable of a strategy if you wanted to be like, oh, no, we're just going to like pound the crap out of you with, with uh, like A.J. Dillon or whatever. Um, or I, I don't really know what the Packers plan is there with all of the like size, all the beef that they drafted and all that, but. I I, I don't think it's that out of the question.
1: That's the only thing you need to know. Okay.
0: (laughs) Jesus. Um, But yeah, I don't don't think it's like out of the question to try to take that. But if I were Mike Zimmer, yeah, I would probably prefer that you put the hands in, you know, I, I would prefer a game where it's in Eric Kendricks' hands versus a game where it's in like the rookie corner's hands.
1: Yeah, and I think that that is, I would say, problematic because obviously Green Bay didn't play that way. Um, last year against the Vikings, and, and it worked. Although they did, if you go back and watch week two, and I'm sure you've done that, um, the first drive, the Packers were in big personnel the whole drive, 12 and 21. I think it was a five-play drive, and they were in either two tight ends or two running back sets the whole drive, and they just marched right down the field. A ton of play action and, and some interesting um, uh, package plays where you have one look and then a look off of it, and then a look off of that. I mean, it was it was kind of the perfect um, early season first drive kind of thing, which the Packers were really good at all of last year. Um, yeah, and then it would like, fall off
0: later in the game. That, exactly. I remember that being the thing.
1: And, and there were a number of reasons for that. One was they, they got really conservative with their play calling. And, and you know, another was just some, some unlucky things happened as well. I mean, you go back and watch that Vikings game. There's some drop passes and, and some balls that are just out of reach um, from Aaron Rodgers. And, and maybe that game goes a little bit differently. But the same, the same is true for Minnesota. I mean, they, they had some opportunities there. Uh, but there, there's still, I think, some, some matchups on this side of the ball for the Packers that they can exploit. Uh, And let's talk about the other side of the ball when we come back.
0: All right, guys, we're back here with crossover Thursday. First one of the week. I'm Luke Braun host of locked on Vikings here with Peter Bukowski of locked on Packers. So let's talk a little bit about when the Vikings have the ball. And this is honestly the side of the ball. I'm more concerned about. I think the defense will figure out a way to kind of cover up the holes that it has. But Mm. if you look at the, the two games, the Vikings played against green Bay last year, this is where things fell apart, because the Packers figured out, and because they run the same scheme as the Vikings do, like Kubiak and Lafleur, they all are a part of the same tree here. And they kind of had that that backside defensive end just key on the quarterback. They had you know all of the the right like rush angles and stuff to really exploit those bootlegs and the zone run and all that. And they really cracked the code in a way that nobody else in on the Vikings schedule could, except eventually for San Francisco who copied what the Packers did. Yeah. Um, so this is like where I've been, I've been super critical of the coaching staff. And this is where I think the coaching staff needs to figure out a way to stop what the Packers are going to do. And if I'm green Bay, I see absolutely no reason not to just run back the exact same game plan, throw, throw, you know, Preston Smith on the backside, have him chase down Kirk cousins, whether it's a run or a pass, you know, have your, your, you know, play gap sound versus zone defense and hope your, your cornerback, you know play a crap ton of press. Um, there's a great article from Derek class at QB class who yeah. broke down both of these men matchups um and press was a big thing like just beat the crap out of digs on on the line of scrimmage do that same kind of thing cover really physical um and you can pretty much stymie the offense and that is what the vikings need to figure out they got to figure out a way to beat the packers if they want to have any hope of being competitive here because that really derailed their season and those two games if it weren't for those two games you know you Turn around those two games, you win the division, you're like a third seed. That was the hinge. That was the key. So I guess my question to you is, do you think the Packers are going to get the same game plan? And if you were on the Vikings staff, how would you try to counter it?
1: Well, I I think you, you have to have that game plan in place, but you also have to have what you think the Vikings are going to do to counter it. Because you, you have to think Gary Kubiak has been spending his off seasons scheming up ways, to beat exactly what Green Bay did for all the reasons that you just mentioned. What's interesting is Matt LaFleur cut his teeth in the NFL under Gary Kubiak. And so if there's going to be someone who has some insight on how the the Vikings might counter what the Packers did, it's Matt LaFleur, because all LaFleur has to do is say, what would I do? Uh, because as you mentioned, it's the same offense. So if you're the Packers, yeah, you want to be able to say, if they're just going to try and do the same stuff, we have to be ready to do that. But you have to have whatever that that counter is for, for Minnesota. You have to anticipate what that's going to be. If I'm the Vikings, um, what I'm doing is I'm staying big because you, you don't create any advantages by going small. You don't create any advantages going three receivers, especially because the Vikings don't have Stephon Diggs anymore. If they had Diggs stealing. You're, you're
0: talking like the physical size of the players, like using more tight ends versus wide receivers. When you right, say like exactly.
1: Stay in stay in 21, stay in 12, and 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 either run the ball, which is the biggest problem the Packers had last year in terms of defense, and then just play action them to death. Because if there was one big flaw the Packers had last year above and beyond the run defense is they gave up some big plays because they weren't always disciplined. There was the big play to Diggs in that week two game because Jair Alexander didn't fill in a cover three where Darnell Savage cut the crosser. And it was that kind of thing where just someone is a step out of position and all of a sudden it's a big play. Go look at what the 49ers did in that first matchup, not the second matchup because I just don't think that's replicable for the Vikings, but that first matchup, they get Debo Samuel on a clear out crosser and it's a touchdown. They get George Kittle on, uh, on a variation of a levels concept where he runs a post corner instead of a post it's gorgeous and the Vikings have some of the guys to do that if you put Irv Smith in that in that spot he has the speed to get down the field and create those opportunities so I think all the things that the Vikings normally do they play the least amount of 11 personnel in the league or or near the top of the league in that
0: yeah that'll go down this year that was because they only had like two rosterable receivers for a bunch of it and then it was either like play 12 personnel or put Laquan Treadwell on
1: the field and we don't
0: make the same choice
1: I still think that that's the choice, especially in week one, because you don't know how ready Justin Jefferson is behind him. It's a lot of guys who look like they could be extras in game of thrones and you wouldn't know the difference. Like I, like the names are not necessarily recognizable and that's a dated reference now, unfortunately. Um, Yeah. It
0: would be like Tajay sharp, but yeah, I I don't think you'd go Tajay sharp with a lot of rotation. It's going to be BC Johnson, uh, Adam Thielen are your top two. And then Justin Jefferson is going to come in as the the slot, but he can also play outside and kind of rotate between those three. I think for most of it.
1: What do you, what do you think of, of the way that I've broken down the Vikings approach here? Is that something you think that they will do should do?
0: Um, I, I think they will like to stay big. They're not going to be big as much as they were last year, just because they now have the personnel where they have a choice. They didn't have a choice last year. Um, so they have that personnel. Um, but yeah, I, I think just kill them with play action is, is, Probably close to what they're going to do, but I guess my concern f- for like, one. like take could-
1: last year and turn it up to eleven. <laughs>
0: Pretty much, yeah. And Kirk Cousins is one of the best play-action fakes in the league. He always has, and yeah. you know, cornerbacks even talk about it. So the thing is, Matt LaFleur coached Kirk Cousins in Washington, yeah. so he knows <laughs> that. So uh, I'll be really interested to see what like he and Mike Pettin kind of get together and figure out to see if they can't up their, their game against play-action. I guess that's the first kind of big test because I imagine a lot of the Packers' season is going to hinge on can they improve against play-action, and this is going to be one where you're going to get a hell of a sample for that.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I do know that the Packers have a couple things up their sleeve in terms of some new coverages, some new personnel packages that they're going to deploy. Expect to see a lot of situations where the Packers have two down linemen, two true down linemen, and three outside linebackers with Zadarius Preston Smith, and Rashawn Gary all on the field, and they can all line up pretty much anywhere. Um, Z is, is going to do a lot of roaming, but they could play Rashawn Gary inside. They could play Zadarius Smith inside. And, and play big that way, especially against a team like Minnesota, if you're going to go two tight ends or running back and fullback, I expect that's going to be something that that you're going to see a lot. So the Packers are certainly going to have some variations on it.
0: Yeah, if I were Green Bay, I would really want one of the Smiths inside like all the time because the Vikings guards are abysmal. Like, they've got – I mean, Riley Reef is like fine. Brian O'Neill is good. Um, the guards are like not startable. They've got Dakota yeah. Dozier. He's never started, but he's going into his seventh year – in the league and he's a starter for the first time and it's not, he's not a starter for the first time because he suddenly got better in his seventh year. And then you have Pat Elfline who's been kind of a, a bugaboo for pretty much his whole time here. I would want to put one of the, I'd want Zedaria Smith versus Pat Elfline all day or versus Dakota Dozier all day. I would be trying to take advantage of that versus trying to get weird stuff going on the edge and interior pressure has been usually edge pressure is like more like the, the hashtag analytics say, that edge pressure is a little more valuable against Kirk Cousins. It's kind of the other way around. Kirk Cousins is like uniquely poor against interior pressure. It causes that panic wire to trip in his brain. And then he does like boneheaded stuff. So I would want to get interior pressure and really, really take advantage of those guards. If I were a green Bay,
1: we saw the boneheaded stuff last year in the first matchup. Some of the just heave and hope uh, at the interception in the end zone. I mean, some of that stuff because Guess what? The Vikings had no answer for Kenny Clark. And where where does he rush from the inside?
0: Oh, yeah. He's so. going to crush people again. It's going to be that that is like the bloodbath that I'm very worried about. You're going to have to keep Dalvin Cook in to protect a whole bunch. You're going to have to keep tight ends to, in to protect a whole bunch. You're not going to have the luxury of having five pass catchers on every play. That's the kind of thing like that's why I'm way more worried about the offense versus the defense right now than I am about the other side
1: of the ball. I think that's totally fair. How do you see this game playing out?
0: And I, I think if, if it were a regular season, I'd go with the Vikings just off of home field advantage, but home field advantage isn't going to be the same without fans. I mean, they'll pump in some crowd noise and stuff, but you, know, you won't get the same like, effect it has on officiating that home field advantage has. You're not going to have that same thing. Um, I, I think pressure is going to be a real problem. And if the Vikings can overcome pressure, which is possible, right? With like the use of play action with, you know, checkdowns to Dalvin cook, if Dalvin cook can do what he did in like the yep. Cowboys game last year, yep. there's a chance here, but I'm not, I'm not taking it. <laughs> I, I, I would bet. I don't know what the line is on this game right now. What is it? Minnesota uh, minus three.
1: Well, yeah, it was before the, the Hunter news broke. I don't know what it is currently, but that, that, Line has never made sense to me because I I feel like in a normal season it would be Vikings minus three with fans and with a normal off season and that's not what we got. I, I think it probably should have been more like Minnesota minus one and a half or something like that. But Vegas is is doing weird stuff and and they know better than me, so I just I gotta trust them, I guess. Yeah, I'd but, still
0: take the Packers money line on that.
1: Uh, yeah, well, especially if you're gonna take the money line, then the points don't matter. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just take the you. plus 140 odds or whatever it is. Right. Exactly. So
1: um, I, I like the Packers in this game. I'm with you. I think if it's a normal season and there's fans and a normal offseason, I'd probably take the Vikings just because I think these teams are really even um, in which is a betting market index, um, which sort of conglomerates all of the, the action from from around. Um, the, the skeezy internet says that these teams are are basically dead even, or at least they were before the Hunter injury. And I think that's probably true. I just like the matchup more for Green Bay. So I, I don't know that much has changed. For the reasons that the Packers won last the last two games, I don't know that much has changed in this outcome, in, in this game for me to think the outcome is going to be different.
0: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, but it's definitely not something that I think either of us are like 100% slam down the mortgage on it, right? Like no. anything can happen. It's the NFC North. But Peter, thank you so much for uh, hanging out here doing this crossover. And I forgot when we play the Packers next, but I guess I'll see you then.
1: <laughs> this uh, indeterminate number of weeks from now, we'll talk. Thanks, <laughs> It's like
0: week seven or something, if we make it that far.
1: Doesn't matter. <laughs> we'll talk. If we have it, we'll talk then. All right. And there's nothing traditional about the car part buying experience right now, especially with so many storefronts closed, or maybe you just don't want to go in, you don't want to deal with the hassle, you don't want to deal with the condescending guy behind the counter, you don't want to deal with feeling like, hey, I don't really know what I'm talking about, that maybe I'm projecting a little bit, that's me, chain stores can also have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, Rock Auto doesn't do that. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and they're reliably low. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to Rock Auto to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands specifications and prices you prefer go to rockauto.com now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you all right great to talk to lucas and uh, get all of the breakdowns of what's going on with the Vikings and Daniel Hunter especially. Um, and so this is something we're going to be doing every week, obviously. Crossover Thursday to get you set for everything you need to get set for with the opponent. Get behind enemy lines. That's what Luke, of course, just did. And it's a really important part of what we do. I think it's it's critical, especially for weeks where we don't have a much familiarity with the opponent. And that's going to be plenty of games this year. And there's a lot of new things to talk about. I mean, you may be familiar with the Buccaneers. A lot's changed. So what's going on there? Well, that's why we need the Locked on Bucks co-hosts to come on and and we chat about it. That's the good part. Back tomorrow with our live Periscope show, 5 Central tomorrow. We go live on Periscope. Follow me on there, Peter underscore Bukowski. And we're going to go live. And then, of course, the, the podcast will show up in your inbox shortly thereafter well your your phone your thing it's gonna be there just you know what i mean go check it out follow me on twitter peter underscore bukowski follow the podcast on twitter locked on packers like us on facebook subscribe to the podcast itunes spotify google podcasts wherever you find podcasts you will find locked on packers and anytime you want to hit us up on the locked on packers fan hotline like for tomorrow in a mailbag show hit me up 920-341-3775 to stay 独播剧场